Hello, welcome to the Hanky Panky podcast. My name is Hank and I am a sex worker who is very opinionated about many, many things. I've been wanting to start a podcast for a while, so this is my first episode. Normally, I would prefer to have a guest, so I'm not just talking to myself in my living room, but I figured if you want to get to know me and you want to see what I want this podcast to be about, this is the perfect way to start. I think most people engage in sexual activity. Whether that is safely or not safely, it is happening. And there are so many stigmas around sex and very little sexual education, whether it's in sex work or in the normal world. I just feel like having an open, honest place to discuss all things sexual or not is something I've always wanted to do. I'm very fascinated by the human mind and most humans have sex and You know, being a sex worker for as long as I have, I find that mainstream media talks about sex work very often, but rarely do we see, you know, an actual sex worker state their opinion and the reality of this line of work. So I asked on Instagram, you know, what are people's most asked questions about sex work? Anything that you can imagine. I wrote down, you know, I got over 500 questions. I wrote down like 40, so we'll see how far we get in. Now, a little bit about myself is I'm 24 years old. I got into sex work when I was 19. I started as a stripper, and you know, from a very early age in my life, I was a competitive dancer. I often exploited my body, not sexually when I was younger, but I was performing in front of many people. I loved the attention. I was always a promiscuous person. And so I romanticized, you know, strip clubs and porn stars. And I looked at those people and I thought, wow, they look like they love their life. And, you know, it's funny because now that I've been doing this, it's like obviously just like any normal job, you know, you're performing and you're, it's like a waiter, you know, you're going to be nice to your customers. You're not going to go up to them and be like, fuck you. I had the worst day. You know, you put on a face, you're getting paid to do it. And that's exactly what happens in sex work. But from an outside perspective, I genuinely, and I mean this, wanted what they had. Um, and that may be weird, but that's just my honest truth. You know, so I moved from Florida to LA when I was 18 years old, the first family member to move out of state. I'm actually the first family member to get tattoos as well. And I'm a lesbian sex worker. So I'm a black sheep in my family. You could say that. And I've always just done what I wanted (laughs) to put it very, very frank And so I didn't expect to be a sex worker, but no one in my life was surprised that I am one and I am a happy sex worker. So I went to LA for college. I was a dancer. I went to an arts college. I dropped out two semesters in. It wasn't for me. I do not like authority, especially I was drinking a lot in college and using, um, and when I got into sex work, I was as well. Now I wasn't drunk and that's not what I'm saying is I only got into sex work because I'm drunk but I'm sober a year and a half and looking back I got into sex work once again because I romanticized the fast cash and the pretty girls and I thought I want what they have and so I remember the first night you know I first started working as a stripper that's how I got into sex work at a full nude 
club in West Hollywood. <laughs> and they didn't they didn't serve alcohol, but I remember I had this friend and she was like, "What are you doing?" You know, she was from Florida. I didn't know anyone really here. It was summer, all my friends in college were home, and she was like, "I'm working." And so I was like, "Where are you working? It's 10:30 at night on a Wednesday." And she was like, come to this club. And, you know, I thought she was doing bottle service or whatever. I didn't even ask any questions. I pre-gamed alone in my house, took an Uber, walked into this club. It was a strip club. And I immediately was like, I want a job here. She took me upstairs. I met the owners. And you know what they said to me? They said, get naked. You want a job? Get naked. What did I do? I got naked. Now, I've auditioned for many other clubs, and that is not the normal protocol, but all strip clubs are run very differently, and this one in particular had kind of grimy owners. They were actually very respectful of the dancers, but a lot of stuff went down, and so I got naked and did a little dance around the office, a little tipsy dance, and they were like, you're hired. You can come back and work tomorrow. So that next day, I went to the club in my little six-inch pleaser heels that my friend let me borrow and a little black lingerie outfit. My hair was red and long at the time. I had no tattoos except my sister's initial on my left hand. And I almost shit my pants. I literally remember being so nervous. I was shaking. I threw up one time. They called, my stripper name was Charlie. They called me on stage. And I was like, what the fuck am I doing? Now, immediately, the performer, the dancer, and me, you know, I had known some pole tricks. I'm flexible. So I really liked the performance aspect right away. I loved that people were watching me. I had my own stage. I got all the attention I wanted. And I got to perform and, you know, use my body to profit off of. And, but I still remember to this day, my hands are sweaty thinking about it, how I felt the second when they called my name, I was like, fuck. Um, and that night, you know, my first experience was very lucky. I went into the VIP room, which are just rooms in the back where people pay money to get exclusive dances. There's a stigma that all strippers fuck people in the back. Honestly, it was more rare at my club that people did have sex most of the dancers were there for work and they were like genuinely hustlers and they were amazing at their job I don't care if people make extra money in the back but like that stigma is not necessarily true there are specific clubs especially like some clubs in Miami I know about where people do do extras but at this club it wasn't like that so I remember this guy was like do you want to go in the back and I was like what no because I had no fucking idea how a club worked and so eventually he, he explained it to me, which is kind of funny. I knew nothing. You know, I was very uninformed. That's something I like to talk about is like knowing what you're getting into before you do it so you can make sure you're consenting to it. I kind of just went like how I always do and was like, well, I want to do this. So it was very impulsive. And I went to the back with him. I don't remember his name. It could have been something like Joey. It was something with a J. And he was this Italian man and he smelled really good. And he was like oh, I just want to tell you about my mom's spaghetti and meatballs recipe. And so I sat there for two hours in the back with Joey talking about his mother and spaghetti. And that was the first experience I had where I realized this is not at all about 
Well, that's not true. This is mostly not about being sexual and liberated. I was just there for people who wanted an ear or were just horny and wanted to like get away from their life. And they thought since I was at the club, like I would not judge anything they said to me, which honestly, most of the time I didn't because unless people said something crazy, I had a couple people who were like, you look like my daughter. That always freaked me out. I was like, "Mm, yeah, I'm going to avoid you the next time I see you at this club. But other than that, I really enjoyed kind of being a naked therapist. It was actually something that I didn't expect from the job. Now, that was stripping. So that is how I started out. And quickly for me, because, you know, I'm an addict. I'm sober, like I said. I became addicted to fast cash. You get it. You spend it. You work again. You spend it. You forget to save anything. And, you know, there are so many strippers I know who are really good with money, that was not me. That was not me at all. I would go into work, I would make maybe 800 bucks, and then I would go, I would buy, you know, breakfast in the morning, I would pay for my friends, I would go Ubering, I would buy a new work outfit, and then I had like $45 left, and then I would go to work again. And that was a lifestyle that I got sucked into for a long time. So I stripped and then I started meeting clients at the club who wanted to pay me outside of the club. Again, I never did anything extra in the club ever one time. But once you start making that much money and someone offers you more, it's really easy to be like, yeah, fuck it, let's go. So I met so many people. I I would go out, I would go to dinner with them, I would do whatever and they would pay me for my time. And I became addicted to that. That's how I got into being a sugar baby. And the thing is, is it's like you are being paid for an experience, whether that's sexual or intellectually, you are there for a good conversation and to look hot. And I learned that really quick that I could change my behavior depending on my client for what they wanted. I catered to the person. It felt like a full-time job. Depending on each person, I would write notes in my phone what they had told me, their favorite football team, their favorite ice cream. I would get them cards on their birthday. Um, You know, I just kept track of it like it was a real job. And, And I really actually enjoyed that, but I was so drained. The burnout from that was absolutely insane. And so right when the pandemic was about to start, it was 2020, right in the beginning months, I was like, fuck it, I'm going to make an OnlyFans. Um, And I hadn't made an OnlyFans for so long because in my head I was like, yeah, I'm a stripper, yeah, I'm doing full service, I'm doing all of these things, but people are going to find out that way. Because up until then, I was very, I was pretty much posting what I post now on on Instagram back then. Um, And so people just thought I was a hoe, which was fine with me. I was totally okay with that. But in my head, I was like, people knowing I have an OnlyFans, it's going to make it real. And so I finally was just like, fuck it. And it actually turned out to be one of the best things for me personally, because I was using and drinking every single night at the club. And and it still translated into me using and drinking at home for OnlyFans. But eventually I got to get sober while being able to work in the comfort of my home and not have to worry about being offered money to line up lines of coke or pour a shot you know I used to get paid to party and work underground poker games so if I wasn't drinking it was weird they didn't want a girl who didn't party because then they felt like we were judging them 
for what they were doing. They wanted someone, you know, misery loves company. Like they were wanting to get super fucked up and be rude and they didn't want you to be sober and aware of what they were doing. So with that being said, like I think there is an entirely there's a huge hierarchy, a sex work pyramid, if you will. It's like at the top is like the most privileged, the safest, and the least stigma. And then the bottom goes down to how unsafe, how stigmatized, how unprivileged, you know. And at the top, I would say is like marrying rich. No one says that sex work, but for me, people who are like, I'm only going to marry rich, basically like sugar babies, but like gold digger combo. You know, they're like, I'm looking for someone rich and I will do all of these things as long as they have money. To me, that is sex work. You know, you're getting paid to be their wife pretty much. Then there's like sugar babies, things like that. And then there's strippers and cam models and then OnlyFans, then porn stars, then escorts, and then street sex workers. You know, there's a whole entire list. I mean, this is just off the top of my head. I definitely miss some people. Dominatrix is probably higher up. You know, things with the less amount of contact with another person is higher up on the pyramid. Things in which you know, you can be safe without the idea of maybe getting murdered and kidnapped, you know, that's higher up on the pyramid. So for me, OnlyFans was just high enough on the on the scale of safety and privilege that I got the opportunity to be sober and to work on my sobriety. Now, I know a lot of escorts and I have a bunch of friends who have done full service work And I really would love to have a good conversation with them about things in that. I've dabbled in some things, but I don't think I have the liberty to discuss the hustle of that because it is such a hard hustle. And it's actually terrifying if you think about it. You know, it's like they make it illegal and they do all these things, which just makes it more unsafe. You know, making drugs illegal doesn't stop people from doing drugs. It stops them from being able to do them safely ish so you know destigmatize is fine but I'd rather decriminalize that is like the best that you could do for sex work um I got asked about like do I ever fake orgasms let me ask you this have you ever been in a relationship and faked an orgasm I'm waiting probably um I have faked many orgasms in my line of work because it's not like I log in and I'm like Yes, I am so horny every second of the day. No, some days I just show up to work like you would a normal job and I'm not feeling it. Now, I still have to do my job. I still have to make money. So I will fake an orgasm. But that's not to say every time I film I do because I definitely have come many times while filming. But I can't just promise that I'll be horny every single day of my job. You know, I got asked later on, how has sex work changed my relationship with sex oh my god it has changed it tremendously you know I know so many people who are the horniest people you'll ever meet and they love this job and they don't get burned out and I am envious of them because I had a hugely high sex drive growing up and as well as pairing that with being drunk all the time, I had so much casual sex. But it's like they say, you know, if you turn your hobby into a job, it's no longer fun. It was no longer fun for me because I was, you know, it lost its spark. And and also for me, when I'm filming, 
it is very much a performative act. You know, you open your body parts to the camera. It's not just like a very intimate face-on thing with another person. You're opening up. You're making sure your makeup doesn't smudge at all. You don't want your body to turn a certain way. You don't want to make noises. You know, God forbid you fart. Like, fuck, we got to do this takeover. Um, Things that happen normally to your body, you definitely don't want to do in porn because you're selling an experience so my relationship with sex has changed because sometimes it's very hard to clock out of my work mentality and jump straight into sex like after a long day of doing construction do I want to come home and do more construction no that's how I feel with sex it's like some days I'm horny and that is amazing and I'm really fucking happy about it (laughs) you know I like to masturbate I do manifestations when I masturbate so I put on some frequencies and I like to come to my goals like that to me I've done that for a long time gets me horny and gets me excited watching porn I can only speak for myself doesn't always do it anymore because sometimes I can see that it's you know it's a job that's why I I like ethical porn I like amateur porn I like people who are getting the money when I buy it I feel like I'm contributing to a small business I don't know something about that gets me hornier but you know I won't go on Pornhub and be like two lesbians scissoring Uh, whereas I used to do that all the time and that worked for me but my relationship to sex changes honestly all the time I mean as humans were ever evolving and our relationship with sex in general changes throughout the age but adding in making money doing it for me it's definitely lowered my sex drive but I do appreciate sex more than I ever did I don't really I used to have casual hookups a lot at least once a week um, and I was never getting tested I was not safe at all I did not use a condom I did not even care about that you know and now in my line of work I'm extremely sexually safe I get tested in between each and every partner that stigma of sex workers being dirty is crazy because the amount of money I spend on testing a month is about $500 you know I get tested before and after normally it's before another collab but before and after each collab I have to show my test results to the other person every time just to make sure we're being safe you know again it's not just a hookup I think a lot of people think you're in this line of work you're hooking up with your friends it's super hot we're working you know I I would never want to not get tested and have an STD because whatever STDs do happen and they are normal but to put someone in the position to get an STD is very selfish when I could have just gotten tested. But when I was not in this this specific line of work, even as a stripper, and I didn't do, uh, I didn't shoot any type of content, I never got tested. Pretty much never. You know, I got gonorrhea and I never knew who it was from. I won't lie to you. I never knew. And, and it's something that's cured in two days with an antibiotic. But in sex work, I've never once gotten an STD. And that might have to do something with being sober and I don't do hookups anymore because I do need an emotional connection. But I would say sex work is safer and there's way more sexual education around STDs than in just a random hookup and in hookup culture. I also always get asked about monogamy in sex work because I am monogamous I'm a Taurus I'm very loyal I'm very possessive like if you're my partner I love you and I only commit to you it's just how I've always been I respect polyamory a lot I just could not ever do it I 
personally will never date someone who doesn't know my job before I meet them. What I do, and I'm not sure if this would help anyone in this line of work, but this is just personally what has worked for me, is I always, before I meet the person, unless, so say I meet someone on Tinder, on Bumble, or in person, I always give them my Instagram because I'm posting constantly on my story about my work. You know, I'm promoting myself. It's part of my job. So if they continue to talk to me after they've seen my Instagram, normally I know they've seen my job and they're at least okay with it or open for a conversation. I've never met someone and gone out on a date with someone who didn't know what I do. I'm really just scared of getting hurt or, you know, having an uncomfortable conversation. I don't love confrontation. So that's just what I've done. And so far it's worked. You know, how I go about that is I sit down with them. I think communication is crazy important because especially in something like this, I can understand easily how a partner would get their feelings hurt. But I sit down and I say, how do you feel about me being a sex worker? And normally if they're like, I don't mind, I don't, it doesn't, I don't feel any type of way about it. Then I ask, how do you feel if I would film sexually with other people? Now, I've had some people be like, I couldn't do that. And that's totally fine. It's I'm never, ever, ever offended because I don't like the cool girl stigma. Like, you don't need to be cool. Having boundaries is very sexy. And if that's something that makes you uncomfortable, you are not horophobic. You just know yourself and you know it will hurt your feelings. I respect it 5 million percent. Now, if whatever, I've done these questions and they're still okay with it. And then I say, if we were dating, would you ever ask me to stop doing this work? And they say, no, I would never do that. Normally, I'll, I'll move on and, and I'll, we'll continue the conversation normally. And in my mind, I'll be like, okay, I checked in with that. This is okay to start, you know, having a romantic relationship or to start at least talking. And I always check in regularly because someone might be 100% okay with my job and think something or someone I filmed with might be more emotionally invested in me. You know, it could depend case by case. They might not, you know, I don't know. There's very specifics to certain people. People have boundaries, and I never know what to expect. So every single time, especially in the beginning stages, I just check in with them because I always like to be reassured. So for monogamy and sex work, you know, I reassure the person, and this is very true for me. This might not be true for everyone. I'm clocking in. I'm going to work. There are no romantic feelings here. Here and where I'm going. I'm going to this building with this person. I'm filming two videos. Here's what they are. I'll text you right when I leave and I'll call you after. And so far, I've had two very healthy relationships in sex work pertaining especially to monogamy. You know, the other person is okay with it. There's no open in the relationship. And I come home, I kiss them, and at the end of the day, they are my girlfriend, they are my partner, and that is how it's worked for me. Now, I know there's a lot of poly people in sex work, so depending on each case, you know, you have to go about it, and if I ever feel like, you know, I've done shoots where people definitely have developed a crush on me or have said, you know, let's go on a date, let's do this, and you know, if I was single, who knows, it could happen, but if I'm ever in a relationship, I make it very clear I have a partner. They're, like I'm, I tell the other person, you know, you're really sweet. Thank you for the compliment. I have a partner. I would never disrespect them by, you know, doing these things. So, so far that's worked for me. Again, like as people were ever evolving, 
And if someone I'm ever dating starts to feel uncomfortable with it, then I have to navigate that conversation and maybe the relationship isn't meant to be because I'm never going to quit sex work for another person. Um, I know that's probably controversial. It's my job. It's what I like to do. And I can understand being upset with someone that you're dating and you feel jealous or insecure. Like, I can get that. But if you ask me to quit my job respectfully, find someone who you can date and they won't hurt you, but it it probably isn't me. Um, But I do like to make sure in the beginning I ask all of these things because, again, just think, I mean, people change their mind. You know, I, I've started dating people who freak out and tell me I have to quit. And it's like, okay, I thought we talked about this. And they were like, yeah, well, I wasn't going to tell you the full truth right when I met you. So it, the cases can change, but how it works for me is communication and honesty. Um, I got asked, you know, how often do I get tested? I kind of just covered that. But if I have to film with someone, I always get tested three days before. I have a client testing I go to it's $165 for a full panel of testing you get back the next day and then I email or I get an email from them and I show the other person my results so it depends on the month some months I don't work with other people I only shoot solo content and I won't get tested but if I'm ever working with someone else I've gotten tested up to three or four or five times a month so it really depends Okay, I've gotten asked, I want to skip around a little bit, but I got asked a lot about starting sex work. Um, And again, I was a stripper, I was a sugar baby, I did full service, and now I have an OnlyFans. Listen, it depends on your brand and your persona as well. So things I would say when starting out is, why is the reason you want to start? Anytime someone tells me they want to start because they think they'll make a lot of money, I tell them to sit on it and wait. Just like my mom said when I wanted to get a tattoo and I didn't listen to her, I say this to other people. Because fast cash does not always happen in sex work. I have made exactly my rent in an entire month many times, especially the first couple years I was starting. So Fast cash, like you see on TikTok, you see all these trends where people make thousands and thousands in a night. First of all, some people do exaggerate, but second of all, it depends on every person because in sex work, you're your own brand. It's a hustle. You know, they don't make money just existing being hot, especially for strippers. You are talking to people. You are being a business person. You are leading them into the back. You're giving them an experience. You're asking, are you good with this? Let's do more. It's very much like car salesman vibes. And so people who are freshly 18 thinking they're going to get into stripping specifically and make a lot of money, I always say, just please think about it. Now, I get a lot of people because I have an OnlyFans asking, you know, things to know when starting, like how can I build a big platform? There's a couple parts of that, you know, things to know when starting. There is stigma no matter what. So if you have an OnlyFans link in your bio... First of all, I've had every single social media account I've ever had deleted. Every single one. You know, I'm on my 15th TikTok. I've made seven Instagrams. I just got my Twitter banned. Um, Snapchat's gotten deleted. You know, banks can even decline you for being a sex worker, which I feel like is illegal, but it's not, apparently. Um, I have multiple close friends who, who have gotten kicked out of banks because of their statements stating, you know, 
they work for OnlyFans or whatever. That's something that you should know. Also, are you okay with your family finding out? I don't like when everyone says whatever, just like don't show your face, don't do this, your family won't find out. Some way or another, your family will know. Some way or another. I know many people who have been victims of revenge porn where someone steals their content and sends it to their family, which is fucking weird, to be honest. It's happened oh, maybe they just see you on their For You page or you're like your younger cousin and they send it to your family. Like there's, your family is going to find out 100%. And so are you okay with that happening? And also, are you okay with doing this job regardless of the money? If you took the money away, are you comfortable with what you're going to do? That is what I would say. And now how to grow a site and how to promote, you know, I recommend putting your toe in every single pond, you know, Reddit, Tumblr, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat. It is a full-time hustle. What people don't realize is like you are for online sex work, your own marketing manager, your own lighting, production, directing. I edit my videos. I send out all of my messages. I take all my pictures. I cue them to my website. I'm posting every single day on every single social media platform. It is basically an advertising job and a horror in one, you know, so make sure you make an account with whatever your sex work name is. You can do whatever you want, make whatever brand you want, and think about the niche that you want to get into. You know, like for me, I started when I was out as bisexual forever ago. I didn't really have a niche. I kind of did some dance stuff on OnlyFans. That was like, I guess my niche. I wasn't going into it with a very clear head. Now, you know, I'm out as a lesbian. I have many women followers. I have a foot fetish. I love to dominate. You know, I I kind of cater. I put my toe in a couple niches, but I found what works for me and therefore on other social media platforms, I can promote that type of thing as well. So Figuring out what you want your marketing to be is something that's really important in the beginning. Um, Because I also got asked, you know, can you start out with having no followers? I'm going to be honest with you. Most of the people who are making good money had a fucking big platform when they started. Now, there's people who start from nothing and they grow their way up. And it is very much possible. But when you have people already getting engagement on your page and you make an OnlyFans, like, like for example, what, Bad Baby, Bella Thorne, like, all of these celebrities who you see the headlines of them making millions of dollars, Tana Mojo, whoever, it's because they already had millions of people to click on their website. It's not just someone with 15 followers who puts their link out once. Maybe you'll get a singular subscriber from someone from high school who's nosy because that happened to me many times, but the reality is, is starting from nothing is very hard. And one of the biggest things that helps is, you know, creating your brand, whatever, finding other sex workers that you know with similar followings. When I started, I would collab. It's very hard to vet who to collab with. I will say, make sure they are tested. They have shot content before and they maybe have someone who can vouch for them. That's something good that you should look into. Find people from about your size of following and try to collab because their following will see you, your following will see them, and it'll start getting people interested. 
you know, making friends on Twitters, putting in your captions, retweet, like 30 retweets and I'll, I'll do X, Y, Z, you know, giving people incentive um, or like all my pictures on OnlyFans and I'll send you a free video. It's very much marketing. Um, there's so many things I want to say in this and I feel like it can be its own video with someone else, especially maybe a bigger OnlyFans person who has been doing it longer. Um, but be safe as well. You know, don't put out personal information. If you have a picture in the back of your child, people will find that. You know, make sure that you're thinking, is there any, you know, street signs in the back of this from where I live? Internet online safety is scary and people are creepy. Okay, people are fucking creepy. So when you're starting, it is possible to grow your brand, but just know it's a lot of work. When you're getting into this line of work, it's not just looking pretty and doing your makeup. That's the easiest part. That's my favorite part of all of it. It's getting ready and having a little ritual. Like, I love that. But then it comes the marketing and the filming and the editing and the talking, the back end of it. You know, I spend hours messaging in my PJs in my bed. And I don't think many people talk about that. You know, it's not just about shooting the content. That's pretty much the easiest part. It's then promoting yourself and making sure people want to see what you're doing always. So I don't know if that answered that question, but I've been asked also, what is sobriety like in sex work? Um, and I have a couple sober followers. I love you. I'm pretty open about my sobriety um, because, you know, it saved my life <laughs> to say it simply. Um, and I got sober while doing sex work. Um I already had a drinking and drug problem before I ever got into sex work, but once I made fast cash, it was easier to get more drugs and more alcohol. Um, so sobriety and sex work is relearning what I actually like, because I'm also relearning that in actual sex. You know, I used to think, hit me, choke me, slap me, do whatever you want to me. Now, I like some of those things still, but I did it because I thought you liked it and I was inebriated, so I couldn't really feel shit. Now I'm like, what do I actually like? I'm relearning every single thing. And so the first couple times filming sober were so incredibly uncomfortable. I was like, I don't think I can do this. And that was because I couldn't even have sex sober. So sex work and sobriety has been amazing because I get the opportunity to experiment with my sexuality. Now, there is some hard things about it. Like when I go to a collab, I'm very open about my sex, <laughs> I almost said my sexuality, but about my sobriety and sexuality. So I often say, I don't want to work with you if you are you know, fucked up because it's the same as I wouldn't take someone home who was drunk and I was sober. I would never do that. Why would I work with you, film with you, make money off you if you're intoxicated? There's a lot of people who like to film drunk. I obviously don't have that option and I don't feel comfortable shooting with people when they are like that. So if someone crosses that boundary, it's up to me to say, well, you know what? thank you for coming out. I don't think this is going to work. And that is fucking uncomfortable. That is so uncomfortable because the people pleaser in me thinks if I stand up for myself, you know, 
my career is ruined. These people won't like me. These people already didn't like me if they were crossing my boundaries. You know, it's like I tell my friends, even when they drink alcohol, I'm never like, please don't drink in front of me. Now, if they were doing drugs, I would say I have to remove myself from the situation because I am triggered. It's not on you to protect me. You know, I need to leave. So I don't know why when it comes to work, I always feel uncomfortable standing up for myself. It's something I've worked on. I'm in therapy. And it's, again, just me being a people pleaser and me being so scared that you will not like me if I set up boundaries for myself. I actually, you know, get a surprising amount of DMs from people being like, my boyfriend follows you. He's subscribes to me how the fuck could you do this you whore like we're in a really and it's like bro wait 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 wait. I don't even know your boyfriend's name I don't ever look at my subscribers and I'm like "Mm, I'm gonna fuck mark 202 I never feel that way but again this is insecurity this is boundaries and a lot of people ask me to block their boyfriends and I always you know if they're nice about it I'm I'm kind of down to do it I'll do it because I get it I do get it but this goes back to insecurity in the relationship if I block your boyfriend and then he just subscribes to another person, me blocking him didn't stop the problem. Having the communication with him about your insecurities and what you feel is what you need to do. Now, if your boyfriend doesn't change and you've said 500 times, please stop liking girls' Instagram pictures and stop doing this, you have to break up with him. You know, boundaries are on us. Um, and, And it's not for us to bend over backwards and try to make other people feel better if they can't come down and meet our boundaries. The only thing we can change in the situation is ourself. You know, you can't control anyone at any time. All you can do is manage your own self and your own feelings. So as far as boundaries, I get it. They're very scary to <laughs> assert, but it's very necessary. Um, yeah, sobriety and sex work. I don't know that rant just came about, but sobriety and sex work has been life changing for me. And I'm entirely grateful that sex work did not change when I got sober for the worse. It actually changed for the better because who would have thought not going on six day coke benders and avoiding working wasn't fun you know I was slowly dying and now I get to wake up create my own schedule work on a healthy relationship with sex which is super fucking hard no matter what because I think from a long time like I was very repressed about it you know I thought like when I masturbated my dead families were like looking at me and I don't know if that's Catholicism or my parents repression on sex but I pretty much had no chance at a healthy relationship with sex. And that's why I just really feel like there should be more conversations about healthy sexual adventures and like how to safely go about trying BDSM and what it's like to do anal for the first time. And, oh, you have a pee kink? That's totally fine. Here's what you should do, you know, instead of being like, don't, 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 don't do it we should be like, here's how to do it safely. Because I don't think telling people not to do something ever stops them from doing anything at all. And especially shaming them, it doesn't make anyone stop. It just leads them to doing things sketchily or behind your back, you know? So sex work for me has been (laughs) about sexual growth and about communication. And it's really taught me how in my romantic relationships to stand up for the things that I want and I believe because you know 
being repressed for so long, I went into sex with like this, I'll do whatever the fuck you want. You know, I will try 100,000 things. And I, you know, I think trying things is amazing. I think I would pretty much try everything once minus a couple things I will never do. So I would try most things once, I guess. And I still like that mindset, but now I want to do it for me and not for the other person to look at me and think I'm sexy. And so growing up, you know, sex was about, you know, you get married, you have sex, and that's just very unrealistic. Not to mention, like, everyone is seeing sex everywhere. You know, mainstream musicians are sexualizing themselves and you know what I think it's great I think it's great except I don't like the fact that people think they have to sexualize themselves to sell things if people want to sexualize themselves fuck yeah go for it I understand bro I'm right here I've taken many pictures of my asshole I'm not the one to judge but young people seeing this every single place is not gonna make them not have sex you know like I know so many people who turn 18 and they're like yay, I'm so excited to get into this thing and to do all these things. And it's like, whoa, 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 please, like, please, can we have these conversations to make sure people are doing it safely, you know, try things safely. I don't know what this fucking rant I'm going on. Let me go on my list. Okay, I've been asked, you know, what are my favorite custom requests? I love pee videos. I don't know what it is. I think it's something forbidden. It's like the forbidden yellow nectar. Um, I get off on it. I love when I get asked to do pee videos. I also am obsessed with JOIs, jack-off instructions, um, especially when they give me very clear instructions on what they want. Like, I get, people get very creative. People get very creative, you know. I've done a lot of mommy kinks, I've done a lot of degrading, I've done small penis humiliations, I've done, people wanted me to talk about their balls for 20 minutes straight, you know, I got paid $200 one time to read a book with only my foot in the frame, a singular foot, Um, I'm fucking down for it, I really like being able to cater to people, because when they come to my page, I want them to know I'm not judging, so I have three hard no's, three things I will never do, I will not do poop play I won't do scat play because it, one it, it's not allowed on OnlyFans and two like I'm very scared of getting strep throat I feel like that's how you get it I've gone it other ways but like I've heard people who do ass to mouth and they always get strep I won't do that I won't do age plays I'm not I'm not catering to pedophiles I don't I don't fuck with age play if you want me to act like a child I'm terrified and I wish I could report you to somewhere and I also won't do race play I will not say any slur. I am not going to great to degrade you for your race. And it first of all, it, it's not anything that I've ever wanted to partake in. And also, like I can't imagine making money off of doing that. It's not for me. I have a list of those three things. There's a couple other things I won't do as well. I write them down. I'm not doing them no matter what. But most customs, I'm always down. Like, if you ever have a creator and you're like, I really would like them to cater to my fantasy, be respectful. Tip them and say, hi, I was just wondering if you were available to do this custom, X, Y, Z, here's the details, and don't be offended if they say no, you know, sex workers don't owe you anything, and if they say no, respect that, I've come to find that in this line of work, people feel like they are owed your body, and your time, and your yes, 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 I don't get that, you know, it, it's, again, it comes from people thinking sex workers are less of people, and that will do anything for a singular dollar, 
Now, I don't give a fuck what anyone charges for anything, but expecting them to do something for five bucks when they've already said no is just straight up humiliating and offensive. And so most people will do customs, whatever you want, but like, don't be a fucking dick. You know what I mean? The next question on my list is what does my family think? Now, this changes all the time. I mean, my family is, again, Catholic from Florida. Um, I was adopted, my family, my dad is like 82, um, and I don't even think they understand how TikTok or OnlyFans or any of these things work. I think my mom figured out how to watch Instagram stories a while back, but other than that, like, my family is pretty much off social media, so some of my younger family members, like, I'm very close with my brother, he knows what I do, we don't talk about it, it's not a topic of discussion, but... He's 1,000% okay with it. He's also okay with me being gay. My whole family is. They're liberal Catholics, which is, like, kind of a funny combo. But honestly, I'm super grateful. They're open-minded, and they don't really care about me being gay. Whereas my line of work is more don't ask, don't tell. My parents know what I do. Um, I've never fucking showed them anything. You know, that's super weird and incestual. But they're aware of it and I think they're just happy that I'm sober and I pay my own rent and I like live a happy life I think they were really concerned when I was you know severely underweight and dying of drug (laughs) of doing drugs daily I think they're really happy with how I am and my mentality around everything so I would say they're okay now listen I have friends who have been cut off from their family I find it interesting that people always want to know like bad things like I've been asked you know what are your worst stories does your family cut you off have you ever been assaulted and it's like why do you want to hear sex workers get hurt so bad why do you want that bro my family is pretty chill with it um but again like I am the black sheep of the family so I think nothing could really phase them at this point you know some of my aunts and uncles know what OnlyFans is and they do not want to know you know I've had people joke in my family about it like my uncle one time was like oh since you're doing this new job we'll subscribe to your OnlyFans like I think he really thought it was a joke he had no idea what I was doing on there and I was like listen up I film porn I do not want you to look at that that is a boundary I have that's disgusting to me and he immediately got serious and was like oh I'm sorry I've heard models and because you know you know the OnlyFans Instagram makes it seem like yes obviously there's sex workers but they try to make it marketed as like Patreon so my family kind of thought I was doing like dance classes or something on there so I very clearly like was like bro don't do this here's what I do because again I'm not going to be blackmailed into someone telling me they're going to tell my family about what I do I'm very open about my OnlyFans my sobriety my everything with my family now they don't know details but yeah, that was, like, scary. I remember when my uncle said that, I pretty much shit my pants. My armpits were sweating. I'm sweating right now thinking about it. But to answer your question, my family doesn't give a fuck. And there's a lot of people whose family do give a fuck. Um, and it's horrible and sad. And, like, every single time, I will just listen to what they're saying. I will let them cry. And I will hug them and love them no matter what. Because, I, you know, when your friends are hurt and it's about their family, like, you can't make them feel better about that and it's horrible it's people are judgmental and even family members like why would you ever you know disown your child for something she does at work I don't get that I I don't get people disowning for sexuality for people they love like I I don't get putting 
you know, thinking you own your child and their decisions in life, it doesn't make any fucking sense to me. And like cutting your kid off because they have a job that you don't like, maybe take time to learn what actually happens in that job. Because all these people hating on sex work would not survive as a sex worker for one fucking day. The amount of hours and screen time and especially in-person sex work, like, no, it's not possible. So I would never, like, if people have asked me, like, what will you do if you have a kid? First of all, I'm gay. Like, I'm going to have to have a miracle baby. But second of all, if my kid wanted to be a sex worker, truly, or if they found out about my job, those are two different answers. If they found out about my job, I would make sure, one, they don't have to see my content. That is weird. Very fucking weird. But I would say you know, here's what happened is at my experience of doing this job. And here are the things I wish I learned when I got in. I would have a very open conversation. If they wanted to get into sex work, I would say, please be safe. Talk to me anytime you want. If anything ever happens and you are uncomfortable and you need someone to take you to the police or back you up, I'm here. Um, But here's also what happened to me. Uh, Again, I would just share my life story and be open and honest with my child. I don't I don't understand that question. It's like the Twitter meme where it's like, would you rather have a Twitch gamer son or an e-thought daughter? Who cares what your kid does? Are they loved and happy? <laughs> I would hope so. Like, I would fucking hope so. Um, I got, <laughs> I'm done with that question. I got asked, what did I figure or when did I figure out my sexuality? You know, growing up, I've, I've never in my life dated a boy who I didn't love as a best friend. All my boyfriends I've ever had, like, were my best friends like it was it was weird because I would be like in love with my girlfriends like I would when they would go and have a boyfriend like I would cry my fucking eyes out like I would feel the ultimate betrayal I didn't know that I was a lesbian I didn't know that but I always romantically loved women um, and I always masturbated to women or to lesbians, or to whatever, Um, I never watched straight porn, even as a young kid, figuring out what that was on the internet, you know, I would look up girls kissing on YouTube, or boobs, (laughs) like, just boobs in the Google search, so I always loved women, I always, um, and it, it took me a long time to figure out, like, heteronormativity, and the feeling like I had to date a man, like, I never wanted to get married when I was dating men, I was like, mm, we can date forever, sure, whatever, Um, but I never wanted to get married, I never wanted to have children, and then I started dating women or non-binary people, and I was like, let's have a baby today, I want to get married, I am in love with you, Um, and I realized, oh, I didn't actually, like, I was okay with not having sex for months with men, and like, I don't know if that's a normal thing, but then I started dating feminine people, and I was like, oh, no, that is not normal or how I really feel. Um, I figured out my sexuality in sobriety, actually, because I was always out as a bisexual person. I was kind of fine with that label. It never sat right with me, but I figured, like, maybe I just feel some sort of, like, internalized homophobia, Um, and then I got sober, Okay, and then I took away liquid courage, took away drug use, took away dating drug dealers, and I was like, fuck, like, I feel an intense amount of anxiety around the fact that I think I should date men. Like, I don't, I didn't ever actually think of them sexually or platonically or romantically. So, 
getting sober actually very much made me realize my sexuality. You know, I had my first kiss sober with a girl and I literally felt like I was rocketed into the fourth dimension. Like I was like butterflies over my whole body. I got chills, like my pussy throbbed. It was like this entire experience that I had been like looking for. And I had had sex with girls many times before, don't get me wrong, but I was always drunk. So it was a good experience but it's not the same. In sobriety, like, I felt everything that I had been shoving away with drugs and alcohol, and it confirmed for me very quickly that I, you know, don't want to date cis men. So, I am very fucking grateful for that, and ever since then, you know, I've been on a journey on figuring out, you know, exactly what I like and who I like and what I like, but lesbian is a is a sexuality term that feels most comfortable for me, truly, and I feel happy and grateful, and, you know, I came out to my family, and they were like, whatever, <laughs> I mean, you know, my, my family caught me, like, making out with all of my best friends growing up at sleepovers, I actually couldn't ever sleep over at someone else's house, I had intense anxiety, but I would have my friends over to my house, and I'd be like, you want to play house, I'll be the dad, you be the wife, um, you know, whatever, and we would, kiss or we would play fucking truth or dare and now it's like we look at each other and we're like you too huh most of us are gay that did that I mean I think it's a very universal experience you know looking up girls kissing on YouTube and like kissing your like girlfriends as a young kid like for some reason I don't know why I just didn't run with that I just felt like I had to be straight but I love that in my job you know I film with many beautiful women I film with trans people I film with many different body types in the comfort of my home or their home and it's been fucking amazing so yeah I guess in sobriety, I figured out I was gay, and life is good, you know, and and how does that play into my work? Well, I get to enjoy what I do way more, you know, like, I used to try to shoot content with ex-boyfriends or things like that, and, like, I'm not gonna lie to you, like, it was very hard for me. I didn't ever sell the videos, pretty much. I didn't I don't know looking back now it kind of makes sense I was also under the influence every single time but I never felt like that content was authentic to me I get asked every single day for boy girl content and I I've shot maybe three boy girl videos from 2019 you know so I don't know I just the opportunity to be able to shoot with people I'm actually attracted to and enjoy my time with has been a fucking big blessing with that being said the next question was about branding yourself and so you know the thing I find people like the most about OnlyFans is that it feels like a personal relationship now not with everyone you know there's people who are making millions a month and they get so many messages they have assistants and managers and directors whatever but like the average person working on OnlyFans, it is a personal experience. You know, I've uploaded 50 minute videos of me dyeing my hair and talking about that I had explosive diarrhea in the week and I watched all the Marvel movies and Twilight and here's my favorite song. Like I really like to make it personal because I find that that's what is attractive to people is realizing like, you know, they're personifying sex workers and they are very attracted to that like you know when you get a crush and you're like obsessed with everything they do you're like stalking them on instagram you just like want to know what they're doing a lot of people feel that way about sex workers which then makes the porn more enjoyable to them because they're like oh this is a real person 
oh, she actually has wants and needs, blah, 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 blah. So branding myself for me has taken a while. You can rebrand at any time. You know, I know people who have changed their entire name five years into this line of work and it's, you can rebrand at any time. But getting into this line of work, I started with a brand as I'm a dancer, I'm flexible, and I like to wear bondage stuff, I guess, like kind of cutesy bondage. I don't know. I didn't really have a brand because I didn't know who I was as a person. Like that is also something that is a struggle. You know, if you don't know what you like or what you're into, it's really fucking hard to make a brand. So for me, for branding myself, you know, after coming out and TikTok is like one of the biggest promoting apps. I have TikTok not because I like it. I do get on 17 hour binges sometimes and I'll get like 15 like you've been watching too many things let's take a break but it's really fucking good for promoting if videos blow up on there let's say you get a million views let's say 20,000 people go to your Twitter okay 5,000 people go to your OnlyFans like it's all money it's basically like one big advertisement so for TikTok you know my brand is me. I'm very personal on there. I used to be more slutty and more promiscuous, but again, I've been banned so many times. I'm bored of that. I just want to be a regular human being. It really helps with my burnout. Not all people want that. Some people's brand is slutty. They like that. They're into that, and that's fucking sick. Everyone is a different person, but for brands, it's like decide what you like, decide what you don't like, how you want to dress, how you do your makeup, your hair, what hair color you have. Okay, I'm gay. Half of my followers are queer women, half of my followers, no, a fourth of my followers are bi men, and then another fourth are, you know, either non-binary people, whatever, or cis straight men. You know, my brand is kind of, I, I would say, for the queers and the, the girly pops, but that also doesn't mean that men can't enjoy my content. So my brand is very much me as a person, just a tiny bit schmoozed up and sexualized that doesn't really help but what I would say is find your niche what do you like if you're only into being a sub you're very submissive play on that you know princess whatever um baby girl two on two I don't know um if you're only a dom you know your username could be like give me your money or I don't know find a brand that works for you. Now, I should not be the one to talk, you know, my fucking Instagram name is Sir Stinky, because after all my other Instagrams got deleted, I just used my Finsta username, because I was so bored of coming up with new names, so really just find what you like and stick with it. That's all I can say for branding is be persistent. You know, if you switch it up too often, you won't have one thing where people know it's you, which is totally fine, but I find, like, my tattoos help me brand myself. I love tattoos. I've always wanted to get a shit ton of tattoos. Um, and I've had them for kind of a while now. But that definitely helps people to know it's me. You know, if they saw my hand, they would probably know it's me. If you like getting your nails done in a certain way, do it. It's it's crazy, but people notice it's in the details. They notice small things. Picking a brand starts with a name. Find something that you like. You know, I've been called Hank since I was seven years old. So I didn't even find a fake name. I like the name Hank, and it's been my name for forever. I just said, fuck it. It's not the safest. Please be safer than that. I started on my main Instagram. I would say that is also stupid. Make an Instagram for yourself. Make a name for yourself. Figure out your brand and post consistently. You know, it's a job. And 
I got really stuck for a while because I wanted everything to be perfect. So I wouldn't post if I thought my hair looked bad or there was dirt in the background or my feet were crusty. No one cares. No one gives a fuck. Just post consistently. Get yourself in the algorithm and just start. You know, like stopping yourself from starting because you're not perfect is self-sabotage. Because for me, what I would do is, like, if it wasn't perfect, I wouldn't try at all. It goes back to, like, how I was as a kid. You know, I was very competitive. If I didn't think I was going to win, I didn't want to fucking try. But in this line of work, like, not trying for even a singular day is detrimental. It's not good. And it sucks. That's the problem is that, you know, pros and cons of this job are so extreme. One of the cons being is you will not know screen time boundaries at all you know I go on my off days I don't like to work on Sundays so I'll scroll on my phone for fun but every social media I have is in my sex work persona and my persona is very much me but so I'm on Twitter I'm seeing fucking assholes at 8 a.m. I go on Instagram it's all my sex work friends and I'm thinking fuck I should have posted today you know I go on TikTok I'm just thinking oh this idea would be good this sound I should save so I have a very hard time with boundaries because of this because I always think what can I be doing You know, I I got asked about body image as in relation to sex work, but I actually think no matter what, if you're a person on the internet, you're going to compare yourself to someone always. And in sex work, it's just times three because I'm constantly taking pictures of my body and videos of me moving and, you know, all of that stuff in tiny little skimpy outfits. But I do think regular people who aren't in this line of work it's very hard not to go on Instagram and see someone and be like, fuck, I wish I was them. But none of that is real. None of that is real. No one posts their worst pic on Instagram. Even like when people do photo dumps and it's like one ugly picture of them, they thought it was okay enough to post. No one's going to show like the candid someone took of you mid laugh that you hate. You know what I'm saying? So body image with doing this job though is on a whole other fucking level. And it's all comparison and it's all ego because I want to look the prettiest or do this and do that. And it's just such an unreachable standard. And again, like I think this crosses over into every single person on social media. I think social media is hard because I make my money on social media and I love it. But I think it's detrimental to people's reflection of themselves. You know, it really is harmful And there's nothing I'm going to personally do about it. I'm going to, in this podcast, and go on my phone and take a selfie and go on Instagram. Like, I'm talking shit, but really I'm going to perpetuate the stigma and add to it by doing this as my job and posting regularly on the internet. It's nothing that we as people can stop, but it is not something that I feel like is good for us. Um, I feel like the consumption of media is so, such over-edited perfectionist media is traumatizing in a way which sounds very dramatic but it's like how many times have you seen someone on the internet and thought about yourself and compared yourself to them because I did that like two days ago probably you know for me what's helped me all I can say is what's helped me is realizing that everyone is doing the best they can they're posting what they think looks the best they're, you know, we're all people, like, everyone wants, like, they'll be like, oh, I wish I had your life, not everyone, but I do get comments like that, 
my life is fucking boring. I don't show you how many hours a day I lay in bed or the crumbs I got from eating Cheetos at 3 a.m. because I couldn't sleep. And then the next day, like, you know, I don't show you any reality. I'm showing you the best version of myself because I'm playing along. I'm playing along just like everyone else is in this little game of social media. So body image, dude, is like something that I feel like is going to be worked on forever, especially if, you know, I was a dancer. So I spent, I went to a school that was a charter school so I could get out at 12 and go straight to dance. So I danced from 1 to 8 every weekday on Saturdays. I got there at 10 a.m. for point and I left at 8 p.m. And then Sundays I would rehearse all day as well. What was I doing every day? Trying to better myself in front of a mirror Oh my God, I was constantly comparing myself to everyone and everything. It started from a very early age. You know, what I've done to work on that is just realize one, body checking, you look in the mirror, your body is not going to change in one hour of looking in the mirror. Okay, I think it's really harmful like to walk by a mirror and body check. It's something that I did as a very small child. Um, in the dance studio, I was in a sports bra and underwear, so I didn't know it as body checking. In therapy now, I realize it is. Another thing I've done is go to therapy and be actually honest. There's no point in paying in a therapist and then lying about how you feel. And also, the third thing I would say is don't go on social media for fun if you actually feel like shit. There's days in which I feel like I'm the sexiest person in the world. And so I go on Instagram and I'm like, yes, everyone here is so sexy. I love this world. It's the sexiest planet ever. And then when I feel like ass, I'm like, I'm not good enough. I'm horrible. I look like shit, whatever. So when I do feel like that, I know the last thing that I should do is go on the internet. And it's hard because I do make money online. But if you're listening to this and you struggle with body image, sometimes what you need to do is put your phone away and take a hot bath and eat a really good meal go to bed tomorrow will be a better day I don't really know how how to fix that but therapy has really helped a lot and realizing that I don't need to be anything other than myself because being yourself is enough and that sounds so fucking cheesy but I really mean I believe that I do in my whole heart so oh god let's see what else there is on these lists you know, again, I got asked about fucked up client stories because everyone likes to hear how a sex worker like almost died for some reason. But I do have two I would like to talk about. One's name was Joey, not the guy who gave me the spaghetti recipe. This cop, this cop named Joey. And I don't remember how I met him. I think I had a friend he used to see and he would pay her to take her out to dinner to get really drunk and to have conversations. And so I was like, I need the money. I'm down. I remember my Uber was like $75 there and like $80 back and he paid me $500. So I think I made like around like $350 probably. And I got there and he was already drunk. But again, I did not mind because I was like, that's going to make this go quicker. I ordered double shots of tequila, probably like fucking five doubles. And I was talking to him And he was asking me about politics, which already, like, as a sex worker talking to someone who's paying you, I'm like, fuck, um, what's your opinion so I can cater mine to yours? Because I'm, they're paying for an experience. They don't actually want me to have an opinion normally, to be honest. So he was, like, talking to me, 
And he was like, well, you as a woman know nothing. Like, you can barely even hold this conversation. And I was like, no, you just sound judgmental. I don't think you're actually listening to anything I say. And he was like, that is so offensive. I could kill you right now if I wanted to. And I was like, that came out of left fucking field, bro. What do you mean? So immediately I was like, okay, this is not working. I'm going to call my Uber. Um, and he proceeds to, because he was a cop, and I didn't know this when I first met him, look up my phone number, find my address, and tell me he knew where I lived. Now, I know, like, even as, for me, a woman in society, when someone hits on me, like, I'm always very polite because I'm terrified of getting murdered, but in that case, I was like, I can no longer be polite, like, I need to leave right now. In front of him, I called my friend and said, hey, I started sharing my location with you. And she was very loud. And she was like, okay, cool, following, which, thank God, he looked a little scared. And then I called my mom and I said, which is kind of funny, I was like, I'm on this date with this guy who said he's going to kill me. What should I do? And I was like, oh, report him to the police. And, like, he was in the police, but he was retired. And he looked scared. And, like... I was drunk, so I felt like scaring him back because I was fucking terrified, but I left. Thank God he never contacted me again, except two months ago, he asked me, hey, would you still be up for a date? So that was one of my stories, and I think I was like 20 years old. I wasn't even legal to be drinking. Actually, no, I had just turned 21. I had just turned 21. I used to use a fake ID um, from this girl from Kansas. I don't remember how I got it, but when I was 21, I remember, because my ID was my picture for once, and so, yeah, that was terrifying, but that was another instance of, like, fast cash, me being very drunk, and not understanding safety, Um, I had also, like, it was so far away that I knew no one who could have come and got me, I would have literally been stranded there, and that is, like, something that I never did again, it was a very good learning (laughs) opportunity, thank God nothing happened, but I do think about that a lot, yep, But another one, this guy named Reese, I'll never forget it. I'll never forget it. And I wonder if he'll listen to this, but he used to be a regular at the strip club and people liked him a lot because he made it rain. He would like go in there and throw a bunch of money and he was kind of a pompous ass. So people like that, like, you know, like emotionally unavailable men, like for some reason we want to fix. And I was like, I'm going to make him like me. So he would come in try to fuck me and I'd be like no so he kept coming in and throwing more and more and more and more and more money and eventually I left the club with him and had sex with him not for money I just had sex with him because I was drunk and I was horny and I was like this guy's been throwing money on me for weeks like probably like eight to ten thousand dollars in the time that I knew him and I was young and drunk and I wanted to have sex with him so I went back to his place had sex with him I don't even remember the ride home. It was West Hollywood to Sherman Oaks, I believe. And so I don't know how I Ubered. I don't know how I got there. I hopped through my window and nothing happened the next day. It was totally fine, actually. It was a little bit suspicious. I hadn't seen him in the club pretty much after that. I just figured he just was trying to fuck me and then he was done, which was fine with me. Um, And two weeks later, I think, or three weeks later, I was on Christmas break. I went home to visit my family. The one time a year, I go back to Florida, and I see my family, and I was super hungover this day. I remember it vividly. I had drank a lot of red wine the night before, and I get a call at 4 a.m. 
Florida time because that's 1 a.m. LA time. So the girl calling me, it was one for her on Christmas morning, mind you. And I answer and she's sobbing and she's like, that guy who always throws money on you came into the club, smacked my ass so hard, grabbed my tit and like basically did all of these very invasive, like severely invasive things and was just trying to pressure her to have sex with them, like being fucking gross, like terrifying. And she was like, he wouldn't leave. He didn't pay me for my dance. Like, I'm going to call the police. Well, if you think about the police and sex work, they do not at all go hand in hand. They never, ever are on our side. And But I was like, that's totally fine. Like, I support you. I'm okay with this, whatever. But another girl in the club had heard her talking to me about Reese and said, I'm calling Reese because it was one of her loyal you know regulars which I don't everyone in this story like I'm not this is just my side of the story I'm not like picking a side I wish she didn't call him but like I can understand she wanted the money whatever she didn't know what was happening what had happened to this dancer so I think it was innocent but I a little fucked up and so Reese called me and was like while we were having sex I recorded it and I am going to post it every single where with your legal name on Facebook, on Instagram, on Pornhub, if you don't get her not to go to the police. And I said, fuck you. I'd rather you post my fucking naked body. This was before I had OnlyFans. I'd rather you post a porno anywhere than ever tell a girl who's been assaulted she cannot go to the police. And he was like, what? I remember it it was Christmas. This whole thing took five hours. Um, by the time I had left my room, I was sobbing and my family was out there like, what were you doing in there? And I told no one because no one even knew I was stripping. And to this day, Reese has me blocked and talks shit about me to dancers. So fuck you. If you ever assault someone and then blackmail anyone to get out of it, you are a dirty fucking human being. I... I've been working on my resentment towards him, but (sighs) fucked up. You know, I have a lot of favorite client stories, though. My favorite, favorite, favorite client was this man named Brian. He was my favorite, like literally ever in the entire world. He was this sweet little Korean man, and he would bring me Korean gifts. Like, they were amazing, like bottles of wine and like specific candies that he liked from his childhood. And he would make me dance with him to Celine Dion or All I Want for Christmas is You in overhead lighting, barefoot. And he would always wear, this was pre-pandemic and then right when the pandemic started, like right before we went into lockdown, always though, before even all of it, he wore a mask. He didn't want to touch me. He never wanted to kiss me. He never wanted to do anything. I would just give him like far away lap dances to music playing out of his android um so it was like quiet and I would be like laughing because it was hilarious to me and he loved it you know I would give him a massage after and he would just fall asleep I would sit there I would wait 30 minutes and then when I felt like it was getting too late I would say okay baby I gotta go and he would pay me and leave and it was like the best the best experience ever because 
he was very respectful, loved me, and also never, ever, ever talked to me unless he wanted to see me and pay me, which was my dream, honestly. And he brought me, like, different bottles of wine. Every time I saw him, he brought me gifts. He gave me a $500 Nordstrom gift card one time for my birthday. Like, he remembered my birthday, wrote it down, and then gave it to me. So, I love him. Brian, I love you. He's never going to hear this, but he was amazing and he the only thing that happened with us is he didn't like tattoos so when I started getting tattoos he was like oh no you're ruining your body which whatever that was his opinion it it never really offended me but I miss him every day I want I want him back I want him back in my life I feel like we had a connection Brian okay um but yeah I mean stop asking people what bad things happen to them at work because most of us have been assaulted or gone through some severe trauma and don't really want to relive it um but I've had amazing experiences as well as bad experiences the last question I have written down on my list is do people make as much money as they claim now depending on the type of sex work again I'm only speaking right now pretty much about stripping and OnlyFans and being a sugar baby but there's so many other different types so many so many so many other different types and so I would say most people on OnlyFans market themselves to make good money to get people to come in because they want to see what they're doing I would not say that when people talk about money they're being 100% accurate you know I never talk about my percentages on OnlyFans because some it changes every month like you could have a month where you make 20k which is fucking insane and then you could have a month where you make 5k and it goes up and down up and down up and down depending on the seasons how much you're promoting yourself who you're working with and what you're doing so I'm not sure if everyone that's big in OnlyFans is making as much money as they say, but I know a lot of people on TikTok are saying they make more money than they do because it makes people nosy and it's a good business tactic. You know, the TikTok to OnlyFans pipeline is interesting because my favorite people to work with are people who were sex workers before they ever had TikTok. You know, a lot of people get into sex work on TikTok because they've seen other people do it and they want to make fast money, which again, I'm not fucking shaming anyone. It's just a different type of person. If you film with a sex worker who did everything and has figured out their life and is really good at their job, it's such an easy work day. You come in, hey, what do you want to film? What are your boundaries? Here's what I'm okay with. Here's what I'm not. They never cross it. They never make me uncomfortable. And then they leave. Those are my favorite fucking people. I've worked with some people who started on TikTok and they're super chill. They are. Like, I'm not going to lie to you. But the people who want to do the least amount of work for the most amount of money, I normally end up just not working with again. Or I won't work with them to begin with because it's like... I don't know. I think there's a difference in people who have done this line of work for many years. I mean, I've worked with new creators as well. It's all about the mindset. You know, if you come in and you want to party with me, I don't want to party. I would like to make money and I want to go home to my cat and lay in my bed and order food. Like that is what I want. So it's hard because TikTok has made a lot of people into sex workers who never would have done sex work. And a lot of them are really successful and I I do feel happy for them. But some people that I've considered working with, it's just, I don't know, it doesn't match up. Our vibes aren't matching and that's totally fine. 
Um, and I don't, like, talk shit about them. I just distance myself because there's no point in talking shit, you know. It's just not – it doesn't work with me, and that's totally fine. And, and I also – I'll say, like, when deciding who you're going to work with, I know there's a lot of people who are mad when creators won't work with them, um, especially, like, when they're beginning. But for me, like, I worked for six months alone when I first started, and the first person I worked with was Cinnamon, who I've known since I was 18 years old, like, an actual close friend, um, and I slowly worked my way into working with other established creators because, again, you have to realize that they are people, too, and them not wanting to work with you is not a personal attack on you. They're trying to protect themselves because we don't know anything about each other. And then we're going to meet and have sex, you know, and when I was doing full service or when I was at the strip club, like that was to be expected. And that was what I had to do. That was the standard I needed to uphold. But OnlyFans, you're in control of your own shit. And so if someone doesn't want to fucking work with you, move on and find someone who does because there's plenty of there's plenty of fish in the sea. I don't know if I've answered enough questions. I feel like I talked about a lot of things. And so, you know, in this, what I envision for this podcast is just honestly having an open conversation with any type of person. You know, one of my best friends was a virgin when she got married. I think that would be a really interesting conversation. You know, I have many stripper friends, many full service escorts. I have some massage parlor friends, um, dominatrix, subs, cucks, like, just being able to talk to many different people so you can maybe hear the perspective of other types of people and you know if you come into this judgmental and you're still judgmental that's totally fine but sometimes I think a good conversation breaks the ice enough to personify a person and make you respect what they do you know so I think that this is gonna be fun and interesting I like the name hanky panky like years ago I asked what I should name the podcast and this is kind of what I settled with and it's funny it's fucking funny to me so thank you for letting me talk to myself I'm literally in my living room my mouth is so dry I don't know how podcasters don't pee their pants while they're fucking filming because I have to go to the bathroom so bad but I enjoyed this and I hope you did too so have